Welcome to the Outdoor States Podcast. As an outdoor rec economy advocate myself in the state of Vermont, I've been having conversations with people around the country about this topic for the last several years, and and repeatedly I'm just blown away by how interesting these people are, how insightful they are, how passionate they are on this topic. So I decided to make a podcast. And yeah, I'm going to admit it's not going to be the best audio for every call. And yes, this is a little low budget and definitely a desktop publishing job. But I think what's really important here are the people that are on the phone. They have a remarkable passion, uh, incredible local perspectives, and, um, and are really willing to share what they're doing so that we can all learn from it. And very excited today to have Jessica Savage and Becca Washburn from the Department of Forest Parks and Recreation in the great state of Vermont. Uh, Jessica and Becca, really, their their titles are uh, Recreation Program Manager and Director of Lands Administration and Recreation, respectively. But really, they're the secret sauce uh, in VoRec, the Vermont Outdoor Recreation Economic Collaborative, uh, as well as the Outdoor Recreation Friendly community program, which was a grant program that launched this spring in Vermont uh, and is delivering, I believe, right around $100,000 to a couple deserving towns to jumpstart their outdoor recreation economy. Very cool program, very talented and devoted individuals, and hopefully a very interesting interview. And both of you, we've become, we've become fast friends as part of the VoRec initiative, the Vermont Outdoor Recreation Economic Collaborative, which was uh, started by Governor Scott in, gosh, June of 2017. Um, and eventually we're going to talk a little bit about the VoRec grant program, which is really, I think, you know, one of the the spotlight features of that effort. But, but before we talk about that, I just wanted to do just a little bit of background on both of you guys. I mean, for the most part, when I'm out there talking to outdoor industry people and businesses and talking about the importance of advocacy, I'm talking to the business side of people and, 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 you know, you guys are really coming from the policy side and the land management side. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, when you look at your careers and your um, uh, lives as people who've been sort of working in the same field, but on the other side of the coin, how has this sort of work in outdoor recreation, has it been a kind of a natural extension or was it, is it a kind of a curveball for what you'd been working on previously? Um, so I guess I'll start because Becca's nodding at me. <laughs> um, so I uh, I got into this uh, into this field um, from an adjacent field, which I think is fairly common. So I I started uh, in college, really realizing I did not want to work inside ever because um, life's short and you should play outside. Um, but I ended up in conservation work, uh, field work. So I was, uh, my first job was an SCA internship. Um, we cut down a bunch of trees, chipped them up, and then burned things. And I thought that was pretty much the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being, I'm being a little glib, but um, it was all for the purposes of restoring globally rare heathlands that were supporting globally rare species um, in Massachusetts. And um, and then I kept just kind of going and I flipped back and forth all across the country between environmental education and trail crew, uh, trail crews, uh, trail crew leader, that kind of outdoor work um, while playing outside in some really amazing places. And that brought me to Vermont over and over again. I kept coming back for seasonal work in Vermont 
and finally made it my home in 2007. Um, and then from there, it really was a, it really was a natural fit to go into, um, into this position. I'd worked for the department as a seasonal for a long time and knew everybody. And I knew all of the nonprofit groups working towards supporting outdoor recreation. Um, and it's, it's been awesome. It's, uh, it's really fun to get to work with such passionate people. And, uh, now I've added the, the business community to that list of, um, outdoor recreation, uh, partners and, it's it has been really fun to uh add Vorek to that to that uh whatever resume. <laughs> exactly. Definitely sort of a natural transition. Becca, is that kind of similar for you? Uh maybe a little bit. Um thanks so much for having us on your podcast. This is a lot of fun. Um I I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was <laughs> Um, so I pursued archaeology as a career, which absolutely the foundation is still built on being outdoors. Um, but I came to this job by way and Vermont uh, by way of being a ski pump, which is probably no surprise. Uh, a lot of people land in Vermont that way. Um, I patrolled at Stowe and stumbled on Little River State Park and became a park attendant for them when I was in my early 20s uh, and found the same kind of uh, community that Jessica was talking about in the department. I ended up leaving to build some expertise and do some adventuring um, in the nonprofit sector, um, but still had my eyes on working for the state of Vermont for the Forest Parks and Recreation Department again as soon as I was able. And uh, here I am. I've been here for about a year and a half, and uh, I love the cross-section of what this division represents. Lands Administration Recreation is all about protecting land and thinking about recreational use in those landscapes. Um, so I couldn't be happier being in this place. That's awesome. So here's a question for you guys. You know, when, you know, we talk about this in the business community, the, uh, the elevator pitch or the across the back fence pitch. Um, you, you guys both work in a, a world full of acronyms and, you know, VOREC is another acronym and it's, 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 it's five letters instead of the usual three, which is classic. But, um, when you talk to other people in the capital about VOREC, how, how, how is, what's the quick explanation for people who are pretty versed in, um, state level kind of initiatives? Um, so I, I always catch it in the in what it really is, which is a governor's initiative. Um, governor Scott kicked it off um, with uh, a real emphasis on using outdoor recreation assets as a way to grow Vermont's economy. And the cool thing about it is that it's rooted in environmental stewardship and quality, um, which I think sets us apart from a lot of other initiatives that are really about, you know, tourism and, and growing people. So... Right. And so the, so this is a two part question. You know, I guess, is it different when you explain it to people in the capital and when you explain it to friends and family at home? Hey, I'm working on this new VOREC project and, and they ask you, what, what does that even mean? Uh, is it the same explanation or do you change it a little bit? I don't I don't think that there's for me, this is Becca. I don't think there's a lot of um, change between the way we talk about it, the state house or way we talk about it, um, you know, over a beer at The Alchemist, um, but you know, we're looking at the way that, that Vorek represents the synergy between the nonprofit community and what it does to, to buttress our recreational assets. We're talking about the business community that helps bring people here and both 
people that are playing and people that are supporting the places where we play. Um, we've got government involved in it. It's like, where does where do all those um, different communities intersect? They intersect on the ground, in the communities, in our state. Uh, and that totally resonates for legislators at the state house because they love hearing the stories of how Vorek is, is building great ideas in the communities in their region. And the people that we talk to when we're out on field visits through our work or we're out socializing on the weekends, they're really psyched about this too because they're seeing the imprint of Vorek showing up in their places as well. That's great. In, in terms of um, when Vorek started, you know, it was funny. I was trying to think think through it a little bit. I mean, we had kind of talked to Commissioner Schneider, uh, who both of you work with, um, uh, Commissioner of Forest Parks Recreation, and we talked to him and then things went went kind of quiet for a while because he was working with you guys, I think, behind the scenes, developing the idea of Vorek. How, uh, and then he came back with this really, you know, fully baked plan. How, how big of a lift was that in, in your recollection, Jessica? Was that a, a huge lift to pull that off? Or, or was that like a, hey, this is, this is pretty easy and, and we'll get full sign off on it? Um, how do I answer that? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't not a lift, but it felt very much supported from the top down. Um, we had the blessing and, and excitement of the governor, which was great. Um, as you know, there was a, a new, he was a new governor at the time, and we weren't sure if, you know, we knew Governor Shumlin had been excited by the idea, and, you know, now we have a Republican governor, and we were, you know, feeling confident, but um, to have him be so enthusiastic and really tell Michael in keeping him as commissioner that his one of his two primary duties was outdoor recreation and really focusing on it um, with this economic uh, bent was just great. It was like green light now go. Um, and then I did a bunch of research with other states that had ORIC initiatives. I called a bunch of people. I worked with Craig uh, Whipple a lot, our director of state parks, to figure out what he was seeing in, in other states when he was talking to other state park directors, like Dominic out in Wyoming, things like that. Um, and then tried to tried to think about what the governance structure would look like because I knew that would be important. We knew that would be important um, when we convened a group of people like this. So, how is this group going to function? Uh, seemed really important to have a very strong focus, at least initially, on getting input from the public on this, because as you have seen and know, people who love outdoor recreation are very passionate and have lots of opinions about how to do things. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were an open, transparent, um, collective impact style model. Um, and it, you know, it was, it, we, worked, we worked hard to make it as fully baked as we hope it was when we when we first uh, uh, got the governor's sign off on it, because we and, and we didn't want to come off seeming like we didn't we didn't know what we were doing either. We had to come out and be strong and say this is what we're doing and these are the ways that we're going to approach it. And then what we didn't know, we filled in by those meetings that you helped with. Those seven forums around the state um, were really informative, obviously, in in our our approach. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great description. I think that probably the one thing that, um, that that we're aware of that maybe people are not aware of from the outside is that VOREC 
from square one was really a, a, a zero funded situation. It was, I mean, I guess they were kind of doubling down with your staff time out of Forest Parks Recreation, but it was not a, a new office creation, um, you know, which, you know, I talked to some people, I remember uh, asking Colorado what to, but, you know, if, if Vermont was to start an office, what would that budget look like? And they're like, you know, it's in the mid hundred to $200,000 a year range. And so, you know, it was interesting, Vorec, really started without budget. Um, but then what, what we'll talk about in the grant program uh, coming up is the first real substantial funding that went to it is going right to communities, which I think is really kind of a, a unique aspect of VoRec and, and um, you know, is certainly probably helping it stay super popular. <laughs> do you, do you, either you remember or, or, or how, um, how is it that you are aware of where the idea of the VoRec grant program came up? Because I'm not 100% sure I have some ideas in my brain. I'm just curious where you guys remember it popping up first. Um, this is Jessica. It really did come from the steering committee's wish. Um, when we put together our recommendations, um, which you helped with through very heavily, um, the, uh, the idea that we had these communities in mind that could really hit on a lot of the recommendations um, if we were able to fund them um, to, to take the next step towards becoming some type of outdoor recreation hub. Um, and we felt like, you know, we could we could attack any one of these recommendations and, and if the governor wanted us to, um, but then we wouldn't necessarily hit the other ones. But with this, we would be demonstrating by doing um, kind of the power of what VORIC could be, um, which is, Awesome and a little scary now that we're actually doing it with these pilots. Yeah, exactly. Letting letting some other people run with it. I mean, I that's kind of how I remember it as well. I you know I had a I have this memory in my head of a conversation, and I'm not exactly sure where it was, but it was out during one of those public forums around the state, um, and I think it was after one of the forums, and there was some head scratching going on, and possibly some beer being drunk um, mm -hmm. about um, the idea that there's really no silver bullet in terms of outdoor recreation and economic development. There's not one idea that's gonna, uh, that we can come up with and it's gonna work for every community in Vermont. And so the, the idea started forming like, well, what if we let the local communities come up with their own ideas? Well, then how does that get funded? And then I think that conversation ended and it reemerged, I think, during that recommendation process. Um, but it's, but you know, I think at this point, the Bullrec Grant Program is, is really sort of the, the, the thing that the, the group is hanging its hat on. But part of that goes into how, the, how it was structured initially. So can, can you guys talk a little bit about grants at the state level? I mean, I know obviously LWCF, Land and Water Conservation Grants, are, are a big factor in most states, including Vermont. Uh, how, how does the VORAC grant program differ from that or is similar to that? Uh, this is Becca. Um, I think... So LWCF and Rec Trails program are sort of our two keystone outdoor recreation supporting grant programs that we administer in our department. Uh, and they're largely federally funded. So we're receiving federal funds, uh, passing it through to communities and nonprofit organizations, while also using some of it to invest in uh, public lands recreational assets. So those there's, there's that obvious difference that we're using state funding that the legislature has set aside 
specifically for the purpose of investing in community. Uh, that, I think, is, is probably one of the starkest contrasts between the programs that we administer now and then adding this new one in. The other thing that I think uh, Jessica was really a champion for, uh, and we heard loud and clear from communities and other um, grant managers, is we got to keep this simple. We need it to be super accessible, very inclusive. We need the most sophisticated communities and those that are working on the backs of volunteers that are totally committed to building community. We need everybody to have an opportunity to tap into these funds to show what it means for their community to be an outdoor recreation friendly community. I think at the same time, uh, we're also looking at this, and you sort of pointed this out when you said this is the very first sort of substantial um, surge of funding for Vorek. Uh, we use Rec Trails funding and LWCF funding um, to both administer the program and to deliver grants uh, on the ground. In this case, with the Vorek grant money that we received from the legislature, every single dollar is going to the community. We aren't using any of it to help support our administration of the program, which also really gets back to why we wanted to keep this really super simple, really streamlined, accessible program for the groups that would be tapping into this funding. And we really want to continue um, to build that as a, a culture around this Warwick money that we wanted to be as inclusive and accessible as possible. Yeah, and, and as I recall, there's the structure of the grant allows for some staffing and marketing. And, you know, it's interesting that out in the national outdoor industry, a lot of times that is um, uh, kind of looked down on in some ways because they're like, oh, we want our money to go right into the ground um, and into these these infrastructure and conservation issues. At the same point, a lot of the communities, I think that you explained very well, you know, they're not professional grant <laughs> obtaining organizations. A lot of these communities are really you know, are pretty thin. And so giving them the ability to use some of the money to help support that idea, uh, whatever that idea might be, it has been really key to that. Can, can you talk a little bit about, like, just to explain what it was the VOREC ask, you know, when, when, you know, when, when somebody was applying for a VOREC grant or what, what were they trying to get? Um, what was, how was it described to them? Oh, yeah. So how was it described to candidates that might have been considering submitting a proposal? Yeah, what are what, what's the, what was the ask? What how how would you describe that grant program? You know, we're we're offering money for what? So we we definitely um, introduced Borek um, and and used the four pillars soon to be five thanks in large part to you Drew um, really being a promoter of, of health and wellness. Um, so the, the four existing pillars um, of Vorek are all about growing the outdoor recreation business opportunities, increasing participation, strengthening quality, and um, the broad base of uh, recreational assets out there, and then increasing stewardship. So when communities were invited to think about um, submitting a proposal to this, we said, we want to show at the end of a project a community that represents what it means to be outdoor recreation friendly. And we suggested that a lot of places around Vermont are pretty darn close. You know, maybe they have three of the four, or, or maybe they have all four, but there's just this one thing that would put them over the top. 
so we, in having conversations with a lot of the communities that were considering applying, we talked a lot about what do you have already? What are, what are the things that you're celebrating and that you're super proud of um, that represent the tie between uh, your recreational assets, your business community, and what it means to be a resident or a citizen of the town that, that you're representing? Uh, and from that conversation, a lot of times we, we arrived upon an initiative that usually was a combination of, you know, marketing, staff capacity, maybe some, you know, shovels in the dirt, construction type ideas. Um, so there were a variety of different ways that, as you said, the, um, the communities would come together and, and this concept would manifest itself. Uh, but in large part, we left a lot of discretion up to them to think about how their community might differently represent what it means to be outdoor recreation friendly. Uh, so again, as, as in addition to the flexibility that we created in, in being able to apply for these funds, we also uh, gave them a lot of latitude to uh, describe and think about how different initiatives uh, that they wish to pursue could get them to a place where they think, you know, look, we represent what it means to be outdoor recreation um, friendly, and, and we're super proud of it. Uh, and the grant proposals we got would suggest that there were a lot of places around the state that really got that and, and just really connected very strongly with um, the purpose and concept behind this grant program. Right. And it was, if I'm not mistaken, there were some key, some key language in the grant program about how it didn't necessarily have to be shovel ready, but it had to be something that was already in part of a long-term plan, right? It was part, it had to be part of their planning process, correct? Yeah, they, this is Jess, they, um, they had to be really far along the planning process. We wanted them to show community buy-in and um, but they, they really thought about this because with such a small amount of money, although you know it doesn't sound small when you when you say a hundred thousand dollars to an individual, uh, it for for communities to be applying for these funds, they really had to be just looking for kind of a boost. Um, and and what's cool is you see from the top applicants, especially um, not just the two communities we ended up selecting, um, they were really able to articulate how far along in a process they were and that the community was just ripe and ready. And they had these cool teams that they sometimes were putting together just for this grant that had been working, maybe not completely coordinated on an effort to make their community an outdoor recreation friendly community or set of communities even, which is another piece of this that we wanted to leave open as a possibility. Um, and so, yeah, for me, the most, uh, the, the coolest part about that is to see that there are um, there are like at least the top 10, I would say, are 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 the next VORAC communities. And they're going to probably do a lot of this work regardless of getting this funding. Um, and I hope we can we can help them out down right. down the trail. <laughs> well, and so uh, talk to talk through the, the VORAC grant timeline, you know, when when was it? Um, first put out there? When did applications come in? When were they decided on? All that good stuff. Uh, sure. So Becca's going to take that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was uh, having babies, so. <laughs> so, so Becca did a lot. <laughs> Jessica worked with a great team and designed the program and then promptly went off and helped um, deliver a new outdoor recreationist to Vermont named Isaac. Uh, <laughs> 
I got the pleasure of launching the program. Uh, the governor announced uh, the launch of the program in October at Craftsbury Outdoor Center, which you couldn't ask for a better venue to be talking about um, communities and outdoor recreation. Uh, we had a relatively quick turnaround time, uh, and I have to give a ton of credit to the communities that were able to pull this together, in particular those that were working with maybe neighboring towns and putting together a regional proposal. We were asking for proposals by December 14th of 2018. So not a lot of turnaround time when you think about the pace of municipal government. Um, they had to pull together teams, as Jessica said, and be able to articulate um, through a pretty comprehensive set of uh, review criteria that went, you know, everything from what sort of planning have they done, um, to what types of organizations exist in the community that would be available to support whatever initiative they were proposing to uh, invest in. Uh, so really came together pretty fast. At the same time, we were scrambling to identify, um, with the help of the Vorex Steering Committee, who are the type of people around the state that we want reviewing and, and making a recommendation to the chair and, and vice chair of Vorex for um, for these proposals. So we had to come up with a pretty robust selection committee. We ended up with um, a group of eight individuals, and I don't think we could have been any luckier. They, it was one of my favorite days um, of the year, uh, sitting in on the conversation and the discussion around just how are we going to approach um, 1.7 million in asks uh, through this first initial pilot with 29 proposals, how are we going to do this with 100 grand? And the people we had around the table were just amazing. Uh, so we met in March, um, or maybe it was even late February. We, made, we met and, and made a recommendation to the commissioners um, of ACDC and um, Commissioner Snyder with our department. We made a recommendation and were able to announce um, at the beginning of March, which again, the governor had the pleasure of being able to um, to share with everyone around the state that uh, Randolph and Newport were going to be the communities that would represent the first two Vorek communities in, in Vermont. Which is was super exciting. You know, I think uh, among the Vorek crowd, people were really excited about that. Can, can you talk a little bit about, well, let's talk about Randolph first. Can you guys just sort of for people who aren't from Vermont, who uh, just to sort of set the stage in Randolph and what, what their proposal ask was. Mm. So Randolph is uh, probably the geographic center of the state of Vermont. It's where if people are like, okay, we gotta have a meeting and we gotta bring everybody to one place, it's um, equidistant for everybody to travel there. So there's often uh, meetings called there and I say this kind of jokingly, but it's true. <laughs> um, Vermont Technical College is there, beautiful rolling hills. It's a beautiful setting. Um, and it's, it's exit four on I-89. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have really experienced um, the sort of uh, rural economic downturn that a lot of communities in Vermont have experienced over the past 50 years, I'd say. Um, and they have worked really hard on what's next for them. And I think they have a, um, an excellent idea that um, outdoor recreation is gonna be, a, be the, the thing that turns them around as a community. Um, they 
have uh, what they're calling an outdoor hub right in downtown Randolph um, that's been uh, given essentially to this effort. Um, and the idea is that it'll be an information center, um, like a, a trail trailhead information center, right, right downtown. It'll have a, a, a gear um, consignment in it, which is really neat. Um, and they're working really hard right now. They just had a launch party a couple of weeks ago um, and they're, they're making these 3D maps, kind of like if you've ever been to the um, Green Mountain Club's uh, center in Waterbury, they have that cool um, 3D model of the long trail going up the greens in Vermont. Um, they're gonna do the same thing for their outdoor recreation assets in Randolph, so that'll be a cool interactive way for people to see all those assets there. Um, so they're working really hard to make that happen. They're um, supporting a youth mountain bike team um, they're looking for a coach right now, and part of this grant will go towards supporting that coach position, which, again, like you said, Drew, people have, you know, the, these communities have different needs, and they sometimes do need that staff professional support um, for some of these efforts where it's like they could they could build a bunch of trails and, and have a trailhead, but, you know, if you want to increase participation and build that uh, momentum, you might want to think about creating a, a, the youth uh, team follow behind. Um, they're also going to be, um, they've cited and planned about three miles of trail and they're planning about five more miles um, that connect between Vermont Technical College property, their town forest. Um, they got an easement on a, 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 some private land that's a, adjacent to the town forest and then some private landowners as well. So really create a trail system that connects all throughout. Um, and this is primarily mountain biking, but multi-use trail system um, that'll connect right to the downtown. Um, so that's a large component of this as well. And again, it's not, uh, this stuff has been planned out, really already thought out in a lot of ways. And this will support um, some time from Rasta, um, which is a, a, the Randolph and uh, Rochester Area Sports Trails Association. I want to make sure I get it right. Something um, like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rasta. <laughs> Rasta, there's two R's there. Um, and, and really supporting their efforts to, to build and maintain an, uh, a world-class mountain bike trail system there in Randolph. So um, it's really exciting. And Randolph has already kind of had this in the background the whole time. It's got a great robust trail system and, and gravel road network. It's always had horseback riding as sort of part of what people think of with Randolph. Um, and now they're just adding to that reputation in a really, really cool way. I mean, I think I'm glad you mentioned Rasta. I mean, I think for a lot of people in the Burlington area and the, the urban areas, that's the draw for a lot of people to the Randolph area are these backcountry ski trails, um, you know, which are, you know, some some lovely skiing trails, which are now quite po so popular that some of those parking lots are full on big snow days. You know, people know where to go there. The trails are, 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 are well set up and, um, you know, it's really kind of went from being a couple trails to kind of being a thing. And if I'm not mistaken, the the, the sort of initial brain trust of Rasta is based in Randolph and um, the, the initial landowners. So like you said, they, they sort of have this emerging heritage. I know they also have a, a number of sort of, you know, they have some long-term business families and owners, but also some younger ones there. So it's a, it's an interesting and great, great place for the Bo Rec Grant program to have a, have a, 
have a foothold, I think. Um, well, what about what about Newport? You know, in you know, once again, kind of setting the stage for Newport. What's that community all about, and what did they? What's their ask? Um, so Newport is is a really great story. Um, hopefully, a, a really great comeback story. I think for a community um, up on Lake Memphremagog uh, near the Canadian border. Um, they really, again, they were an industrial town um, facing away from the lake because the lake is where all the logs were floated in and um, it was a little stinky. Um, <laughs> and now it's, uh, now the town has really gone through this uh, wonderful planning effort to start facing back towards the lake. So using that outdoor recreation asset, that beautiful lake there as what is, what people think of when they think of Newport. Um, and at the same time, they also um, have a little bit of a sad part of their story where they, uh, unfortunately, uh, there was businesses promised through the EB-5 program um, that didn't come to fruition because of some uh, legal issues with EB-5. And they essentially have a, a raised hole in downtown Newport with fencing around it. Um, and that's a real... Um, something they're really trying to to get over and come back from in a way that um, is sustainable, you know, not looking to outside support to really make Newport happen, but how can Newport itself um, create the self-sufficiency and outdoor recreation really fits well for them. Um, they have this whole project along the lake with this bike path um, going from the downtown all the way up to Bluffside Farm, which is this beautiful place where eagles nest right on the lake there. It's this um, community thing that has brilliantly come together, I think, with the Vermont Land Trust and the, and the city really working together. Um, and so this project, what's really cool is they they have this wonderful story and they're able to articulate how they're meeting all the pillars of Vorek. And then when you look at what their actual project is, it's so simple, but it's so, it's this necessary little thing that needs to happen to make it all work. Um, so what they're getting funding for is to, to create an asphalt bike path through Prouty Beach Park, which is an existing park along the waterfront with a campground, all the, a lot of amenities that bike paths need to need. Um, and, and it will connect to the Bluffside Farm Trail. Um, there's a bridge that's going to go in right over this little inlet there. Um, so it's this, it's this sort of linchpin thing that needs to happen, and that's what they're getting funding for. And it will make all these other opportunities blossom for the city. Yeah, it essentially creates like an international bike path. Like it, it will have the potential to connect um, up north of the border uh, where they're seeing all kinds of tourism associated with the presence of this um, this recreation path. So lots of local opportunity and um, so exciting to see the international connection as well. Very cool. And so what is what is the timeline for both Newport and Randolph? when when do they start working on these projects? When are they expected to be done? and when you know when will we sort of have a picture as to whether or not those projects are working so um because these are pilot communities um we've started working with them in a more personal way than we typically do with grantees so um we just hosted a meeting with both of the teams from the communities to sort of talk through some of that stuff so what is a realistic timeline for them 
what should we be measuring from the get-go in the same way in both places? And when do we think we'd have some outcomes to really be able to tell the story of these investments? Um, and so we're already, we already have a sort of set of things that are going to happen in terms of the measurable outcomes for each of these communities outlined. Um, in terms of project deliverables, um, Newport is looking to construct the path this September. Um, so again, there's a simple straightforward, they're gonna build this asphalt path, and then the whole thing will come together once the bridge is built um, and the other sort of um, pieces of the bike path are put together. Um, and I'm not sure in terms, I'm not sure exactly when that bridge is getting built, but um, there'll be a path to it this September. Um, and then um, and then in Randolph, you know, they really already started. A lot of their, uh, you know, like I said, their hub launch was a couple weeks ago. They are not, um, they're not waiting for us really, um, which is reflected in a lot of their match, which is great. So um, basically as soon as I can get a, a grant out the door to these these communities, um, they're, they're here to go. That's great. And then so, uh, you know, now that that part is, is happening and, you know, people were into it, what what is sort of the, the the silver medal winners that were out there on the VoRec grant list, you know what what is the what's the advice that goes out to them for um, for future years and future potential rounds of funding? What, what what would you say to them to to make their projects rise to the top? Yeah, Drew, that's such a good question, uh, and it's and it really to me harkens back to what I was saying about how amazing the steering or the selection committee was for the grant process. Uh, they, we spent a couple of hours in the morning actually coming to the decision that Randolph and Newport should be the, um, the award winners. And then we spent at least another hour talking about where are the different uh, grant sources, um, technical assistance opportunities, that exist around the state that we could actually physically connect these wonderful applications to. So we spent a lot of time saying, you know what, for um, for the town of St. Johnsbury, like what are we going to do um, to make sure that we can help support the success of that project? So we've provided a lot of follow up to um, the top ranking uh, candidates saying, your, your project was amazing. Uh, here's some specific feedback about why Newport and Randolph were chosen. Um, and also some specific feedback about how, what were the strengths of the proposal that, that you submitted. Um, as well as here are some resources to connect you to that might help you advance this great concept. Um, we also got feedback from some of those applicants saying, you know what, it, it's okay that we didn't get this funding. We knew it was gonna be incredibly competitive. But what you did for us is, is you galvanized the champions in our community around a vision that we were able to better articulate and really distill down into this is our idea and this is what where we want to go with it. So there was that outcome, too, that we were hoping would be a part of this. Uh, and we're really pleased to get the feedback that that that, that was happening. So those are two areas um, where we're excited to see the ways that we wanted to support some of these great proposals that came in. Uh, we also um, submitted uh, a letter of interest uh, to the Northern Borders Regional Commission. Uh, they've expanded 
they're they're available to communities um, and state agencies statewide. There's a lot of detail that I'm not going to go into, but we were really excited about the opportunity that applying to NVRC might allow us to actually fund some more of the projects that ranked really high when we went through the selection process. So we um, learned last week that we were one of um, nine out of, I believe, 30 at least that um, applied for the funding. We've been uh, recommended to advance a full proposal to them, which is due in a couple of weeks. Wow. Uh, our, our hope is, is that we actually are going to fund a couple more um, uh, communities that came in. We've also uh, connected with the Vermont Community Foundation and have shared uh, the proposal um, sort of summary of, of the proposals with folks at the Community Foundation, hoping to uh, attract some attention to proposals um, through their philanthropic uh, connections. So we've been sort of using the network we have to try and advance these projects in ways that we weren't able to through that $100,000 that we had available. That's amazing. And and um, and then what is what is the status in terms of you know, a, a possibility of a 2020 VoRec grant program. Is that a conversation that has started yet? And, 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 or, and should we get that started? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is, this is a great, um, we, we laugh because we're like, oh my gosh, this is so successful and it's going to grow. People are paying attention to it and we need to make sure that we can uphold um, the high quality and set of expectations we have for how we engage with uh, communities through this program. So we chuckle thinking like, uh-oh, we might be the dog that caught the car. Um, but the, the governor's budget uh, does include funding again for um, a second round. And the uh, Northern Borders Regional Commission proposal will likely include funds that would be used to match that so that we could just leverage a little bit more money for uh, an upcoming grant round. Uh, I think we have to wait and, and keep our fingers crossed and, and hope and know that our commissioner is doing a great job of um, telling the story of how successful this pilot has been um, and hope that we come out of the legislative session with uh, some funding earmarked to do this again and officially launch the program. That's great. And what and so what would the timeline be on the Northern Border Regional Commission? Did I get that acronym right? What's what's so you said a, an application would be due in the next couple of weeks? When when would we find out about that? Uh, don't well, you have to quote me on it because we're recording. But I think <laughs> I think if we're successful, midsummer um, is the timeline for when we would know and be able to to begin taking action and next steps around uh, both investing in some of the highest ranked uh, projects in this last grant round, and then thinking about preparing communities to apply um, at the end of the year for a, a second round that would include legislative um, earmarked funding, as well as hopefully funds from the Northern Borders Regional Commission. That's pretty cool, that's really great. I just have one more question. It's back to the VoRec uh, grant program do you recall, I mean, I don't even know if you can name names on it. What was the smallest community that that applied for a grant? You know, was there a, you know, a, a David going up? I mean, not that Randolph or Newport or Goliath, but those are pretty established communities. I mean, was there a, a super small town that reached out on it? We're looking at the list right now. And one of the things that we didn't talk about, actually, um, earlier in our conversation was the geographic diversity of um, 
of proposals that came in. We had every county represented, which is, is really cool, 14 counties around the state. And we did have a pretty good diversity of the, the types of towns. Like if you think Randolph is very unique from Newport, but we also had places like Brighton and, and then we had um, Waterbury, for instance, uh, represented, you know, two very different communities. Looking through the list, though, I would have to say like Rockingham, super small, Pownall, Pulteney, you know, some of our southern friends, um, smaller communities, as well as uh, a number up in the Northeast Kingdom um, that have smaller populations as well. That's very cool. That's very cool. Well, Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you taking time out of your rainy Friday to chat with me about this. I'm, you know, I uh, I love the VoRec grant program. Like I said earlier, I think it's great that, you know, as a group and as a state, we decided to, you know, get together and pull the public and agree on some things and and come up with some ways to get the cash to some some small communities around the state. I think it's a an awesome and uh, successful thing, and I think a huge part of. Uh, Part of that praise goes to you two for all the continuous hard work that you're doing. So um, thank you so much. And, and like I said, thanks for, thanks for sharing some of those thoughts with me today. Thank you, Drew. It's great to talk to you. Excellent. Thanks. So much fun today. All right.